Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. What a movie. What a time to be alive. The shark. Great white shark. What a great movie. Do you remember how old you were when you saw that movie and the fear that it evoked? Yeah, I do remember uh, the movie when I when I saw it in the theaters. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean the special effects were just unprecedented it's a at perfect, the time. You made a perfect choice for panic. Exactly. That movie, I was scared of the ocean. I was scared of going in my pool for a little while. Talk about panic. The, uh, I was scared of going in Salt Creek. I was worried about desert sharks down at ASU. So I'm here with Knute. Uh, we went to ASU together. Yep. Had a lot of fun. Had a few beers. Too skis. much fun. A few. And uh, he's the creative uh, guy behind the scenes here whenever I do something. He's uh, always available, living in Arizona with me. And uh, we're doing Panic with Friends. Uh, this will be episode number two. We're going to talk to uh, a partner in crime of mine in the uh, financial advisor uh, world, uh, at com- running Compound Capital Advisors, Charlie Bellello, who's a whiz kid. Let's see if he picks up. All right, call it. You're calling him? Yeah. He barely well. picks up. We'll find out. Hello? Hello, is Charlie Bellello there? Who's asking? <laughs> this is the uh, VIX team. Not VIX cough drop. VIX volatility crew calling. We uh, <sighs> wanted to check the readings in your house. What's up, Charlie? How's it going? It's going good. That's about the most, can it, that'll be the, the, the most enthusiasm we get out of Charlie right All now. All right, fair enough. So, yeah. so we're taking it down a notch from Jim O'Shaughnessy, and we're bringing in the level-headed Charlie Bellello. Charlie um thanks for taking the time today absolutely i hope you got all your uh, toilet paper uh, stocked up yeah we probably were talking during the bottom last night like it's it's funny that i was telling jim that just announcing this show it resonated like when i put it on stock twits that we're going to just do a show about panic with friends you know me calling my friends that we don't jump off a cliff or do something stupid because that's what i do when i'm panicking i call the smartest people i know and go what am i missing like uh you know, I don't need to talk to a thousand people. I want to talk to 10 people. So, you know, I always call you, I'll call JC, I'll call a couple of VCs, I'll call people that don't care about stocks. And uh, while we were talking last night, I was like running up and down the aisles, like not concentrating, walking past <laughs> the things that I needed. Ended up with like nine spatulas while I was talking with you. <laughs> the, uh, but we were talking about treasuries and everything and, and how crazy this, this market ha- has already been, but it hasn't been apparent to a certain, it, it hasn't been apparent to if, if you've owned the S&P until the last month, but it's been pretty kind of crazy for, for months and years in certain markets and cracks have been showing all over the place. And now that there's a crack in the market, everybody all of a sudden is, is worried. So I wanted to unpack a lot of that with you and talk about panic, uh, if that's okay for the next half hour. Yeah, let's all do it. All right, so let's do it. So first try, just Give everybody as long or short as you want. Who is Charlie Bellello, the man, the legend? 
<laughs> so uh, we just started a new firm. Uh, we did. Compound Capital. Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm a small, small part of you're, it. You know, you're, you provide emotional support yes. during times like this, for sure. <laughs> 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 yeah, and so we're, you know, we're giving – the plan is to give good advice through content, through education, and you know, through times like this, this is when people need good advice, need an advisor, need someone that's level-headed uh, to – make people understand that these are, you know, as much as it can seem abnormal, these are, this is the price of admission uh, for earning higher returns in, in the market. You have to be able to withstand uh, volatility and drawdowns. And so hopefully going into that, which is why we spend a lot of work up front with people, they understand what level of risk that they're willing to take. And we always want to be in a position to uh, increase potentially into market declines and never want to be sellers into that. So, so first thing uh, first, you believe people should have financial advisors. I, I, I think not everyone needs it, but I think there, there are many people that do. I think, uh, you know, uh, beyond just uh, providing a portfolio, it, it can provide peace of mind for people, you know, that, and that, you know, cannot be overstated. All it takes is one big mistake for people uh, in, you know, in either being overly concentrated or panicking and not finding a portfolio they could stick with. And that will cost them a lot more in the, in the end. Uh, than the cost of an advisor. So if you you got to know yourself, and if you're the type of person you know that can't be trusted uh, in terms of handling periods of volatility or or sticking to a plan, then an advisor can probably serve you well. And you let's just go back through quickly. You're a lawyer. Yep. You never practice. So, don't didn't practice. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, mm-hmm. Uh, went went straight to the markets. Uh, backgrounds in in researching and, and trading and analyzing pretty much every asset class started out in the credit markets uh, went to the equity markets um, and everything in between and and recently focus has been on broad you're a cpa as well i think yep Yep. so i can you know we got to work on your taxes uh that's coming up so Uh let's let's get into that uh but i don't have to pay uh, them this year the virus yeah. <laughs> my taxes have the virus I, you think there's going to be a box on there for that yeah <laughs> well there is i'm creating one <laughs> i have a ruler i can create a box okay so yeah so your cpa as well so i interrupted as usual but keep going yeah, on your background no, it's, look, to be to be a good investor requires a lot but it's multidisciplinary so i think uh, having a background in a lot of different fields can it was important helpful, to me in right? choosing somebody that i wanted to hang my shingle with yeah, I mean, look, running running an investment business requires you know some legal expertise, some accounting background, and just running an, any business, it's helpful to have that. Um, so, yeah, for sure, investing is the most. Uh, I'd say it's the broadest field in terms of uh, having having some knowledge of other fields can be helpful, mm-hmm. um, and, and not just the pure finance and data and numbers. What uh, what got you in, interested in the markets? Just, just the idea that this is something, and this is this is probably frustrating for a lot of people, but for me, I found this fascinating that it's something that really can't be solved. So it's not like uh, physics, it's not like math, which I studied a lot, uh, you know, back in school. This is nothing like that. There is no solution to the markets. The markets are constantly changing, and all all you're left with at the end of the day is probabilities and never certainty. So just trying to come up with a, uh, a system of based on probabilities is just fascinating to me. And those probabilities are always changing, right? And that's the best you can do as an investor. 
is figure out, okay, what's the highest probability portfolio for me at, at this point in time? And, mm-hmm. then, and then and then it becomes the behavioral side, which is much more important. It was, can you stick with 60, it? 60, 40, 70, 30? What do you think behavioral is? I'm starting to think it's 90. <laughs> behavioral is everything. If you don't have the ability to... Uh, sleep at night right with your portfolio then you're not going to stick with it and you're not going to be able to compound over time so we talk a lot about compounding and the magic of compounding well that's that doesn't happen if you don't you don't have the emotional fortitude you don't have the psychology to stick with it so uh especially during volatile times right this is when this is when you're tested right and you know last year was a very smooth year very low volatility you didn't have a drawdown more than five or six percent relatively easy you weren't tested and, Wait a minute, last year was 30 percent without a five percent we had we had two five percent separate drawdowns but they were pretty what quick. a year that's yeah. got to be it that's such an outlier year it's it's been only 2017 we had a whole year without a three percent drawdown wow. uh, so you know we've had some good years in recent times and yeah. then we've had 2018 that the 20 percent down we had the 2011 20 percent mm-hmm. down and here we are again 19 mm-hmm. and change on the SP. So. so so when do you because you've been following this for so long when do you know when does your the 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 stuff when do you tingle when do you because again like we're all different you know and i was talking with jim about you can't block panic panic just is gonna it's just part of life so when do you know things are are getting interesting is there a signal like you just how you feel or is there a spider tingly thing that goes off with you or you just don't care well, it's yeah, time frame is everything, right? So it depends on 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 your time frame, right? For for people who have ten to twenty years uh, or more in the investing horizon, they shouldn't pay much attention to this stuff, other than to say maybe this is a time to increase their risk allocation. You know, when volatility spikes or when there's a large drawdown, if you're gonna, if there is a time to to try to. Uh, take more risk that's when you need to do it right but few people have that emotional uh fortitude where you know they're looking to i know you're that's how you tend to operate you like yeah. to buy into that's why i love but having talking to you as my advisor i like to talk it out with you i know what i want to do i, I don't want to be I, i'm willing to be talked out of it but i know what i want to do and it's just a question of you know how organ like what is the strategy to do it you know, without... yeah, and and just bring it back to basics. Howard, you know, you're you're this old, and you're not gonna you're not gonna touch it for another fifteen years. Okay, I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, is it is it a problem that I lied to my financial advisor, and you think I'm eighteen? <laughs> I have the millennial box checked off. I might be. <laughs> <I> might be. <laughs> but no, no worry, Howard. He he he's, he's met you. He's met. No one twenty nine has this amount of gray hair you do. Oh, at least you didn't make a joke about my man boobs. <laughs> So that was, oh, now I so, made a joke about my man, but sorry, Charlie. Yeah, but in terms of indicators, you know, what we were talking about yesterday, we said, okay, what, what's kind of extreme? A few things with this sell-off. First, you know, from an all-time high was the fastest ever yeah. 10% correction. So I think right? that just, even as a pro, and I call myself a pro loosely, uh, I, as a trend follower, don't expect to see that that often. I expect to see, you know, uh, you know, I know what trends are going to end. I'm not used to seeing them end at scale with that abruptness in all the leading things at once from an all-time high. 
Correct. Right. That's rare. Correct. For an all-time high, we've never we've never had a ten percent correction that quick. But prior to this, the the, the fastest one was actually in twenty eighteen. Yeah. So Trump's uh, got two of them under his belt. Do you think that's tied so, to his personality so, a little bit? <laughs> no comment. On, no comment. Um, Come on. But it does bring a broader question because we've seen this is we saw this in twenty fifteen as well twenty fifteen into twenty sixteen we've we've seen these volatility spikes you know seemingly out of nowhere a few times now and yes. it, it more times and they're getting than, bigger uh, yeah more times than I'd say that it's probably random so you know I do think you could start to to perhaps talk about you know algorithms or 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 you know, just pass over the fact the way everybody owns the same yeah, stocks just, and the asset yeah, allocation the, models the, things are moving quicker and, yeah. you know both in both directions though yeah. right so uh, you know coming out of 2018 we uh, you know, coming trip. out of that it went straight up pretty mm-hmm. much to all time highs so mm-hmm. uh, you know and i had so never seen no, that either no, to be honest yep no one was expecting that. We, you know, we've yeah. seen it before. You go back in time, but you know everyone thinks there has to be a, a period of time, a retest, or of mm-hmm. some sorts. But you know, in March '09, there was no retest. The market right. just ran straight up. So when the market wants the bottom, it's just bottoms and mm-hmm. it moves, and it doesn't wait for anybody. Yes. Uh, but in terms of okay, so we have that correction, fastest correction ever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, does that tell us anything? important so i went back and looked okay we went back and s&p go back to we have data going back to 1928 on the s&p and you look at the historical fastest you know look at any big drawdown after we're using y charts uh, how are you running your data i just i just went straight you know no straight s&p data straight straight to the data and this Mm -hmm. is uh you know this is you know it's a little bit tedious but I, i felt like it was a good exercise to go through to see Okay, does it always mean that it's going to lead to a bigger bear market or a recession? And not necessarily. So, you know, about a third of the time, the market just has like a 10 to 20 percent correction, uh, you know, a third to a half of the time. And uh, the, the other times you have bigger corrections right mm-hmm. from there. So the, the speed of it is not necessarily telling you, okay, this has to be something calamitous, right? Uh, 1998. We saw a very quick correction, the LTCM, you know, you had a little bit of a crisis there. There's a 20% drop in the S&P. And, you know, a few months later, the market was back at all-time highs by the end of that year. The market was actually up 20% that year, even though it had a 20% decline. So, you know, just putting things in context, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. But what's different about this correction, What's what we talked about yesterday, what's unique about it is the behavior in the bond market. Right. Okay, this so is something. Yeah. yeah. Let's shift gears to there. This is something. This is a multi-standard deviation event. Whatever you want to call it. This is something we ha- really haven't seen. Uh, if we're looking at U.S. Treasuries. And, and the closest we've seen, Charlie, would be 2008. Would be 2008. Yep. Yeah. Okay, for sure. So take your time. Let's, walk through this. Yep. Yeah. Let's let's put it in context. You know, yesterday. Right. Yesterday at the being open, March eight-ish, nine-ish. Yep. 2000. March 9th. Yep. yep. Yeah, the, the market essentially, you could call it a crash, whatever you want to call it. At the open, there was just extreme panic, extreme fear. Uh, and it was on a Monday, so people had all weekend. And it was on a Monday, and everyone always, when it's on a Monday, it's always Black Monday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's Monday. any decline. 
Um, and, and the 10 year treasury hit a low early in the morning of 40 basis points, right? Uh, uh, to now to put that number of context, like, uh, you know, in, in, at the lows in 2008, right? This is in December, 2008, we're a year into the recession, right? The market was already down 50% from its highs. Uh, this was the worst recession since the great depression, mm-hmm. right? We, we knew all of this, the unemployment rates going up, we know people are losing jobs, you know, the, the financial systems and, and, you know, is everyone's thinking it's going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And the 10 year yield at that point in time was 208, the low on the 10 year. Uh, and we're talking about 30, 40 basis points uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. On March 9th. Yeah. So 80% lower today. You have to ask yourself, you know, well, what is the market? What is the bond market? You know, has it gotten ahead of itself? What is it pricing in? Is it talk, is it saying that we're going to have a recession as bad, not as bad, but even worse than that? Is it going to be? Is it talking about uh, potentially deflation for years to come, which we've never had in, in the U.S.? You have to go back to the depression, right, mm-hmm. to have you know some period of deflation, even during 2008, uh, the consumer price index in the U.S. was up, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what it is is just an extreme, in my mind, at least for now, because we don't have data showing otherwise, it's an extreme panic on the part of investors and the part of, you know, algos, whatever you want to call it, racing into what they deem to be the safest asset okay, in the so, world. So give people perspective. When you say 10-year treasury, you're saying that is in our world or in the world of money, that is deemed to be the safest place to go. For globally, money, correct. globally the, for in the, in money, a, to hide that's out. Right. If you that's are right. seeking shelter from panic, globally, this is where you hide out. Yes, not only hide. This is where you hide out. This is where you actually seek to get a return on your money, as opposed to just going to cash right, or treasury right. bills. Yeah. This is you where, don't expect you know, a good return, but you expect to seek no, a return. Well, this is right. So, this is, so yesterday, the long bond ETF, you know, had its largest gain ever right this is march 9th is up up over five percent in a single day right Mm -hmm. this is this is a security now that's yielding you know that you know yielding less than you know less than less than two percent right it's maybe even less than one percent this is a long bond etf Mm -hmm. right and it's making five percent in a single day right because of that collapse in yield and what happens is when you know this is some interesting bond math maybe not interesting to you you, but to sell that well is, I mean, I'm just the saying, question sorry. becomes: What are you betting, right? Yeah. Like what are you? Basis points. Yeah. Are you betting that it's going to go negative, like mm-hmm. Europe, right? Mm-hmm. And that perhaps the Fed will will take the, the Fed funds rate negative, and you know, like, like Europe and, and the Bank of Japan did, or is it just an extreme overreaction, panic for now? And we're going to look back months from now and say this was insane. You know, so it, what it breaks down to is your inflation outlook, and we don't have the data yet to suggest that this is going to be deflationary collapse. So what you're really getting is a negative real yield that we haven't seen in the U.S. in in, in 40 years. I mean, mm-hmm. essentially, you got to mm-hmm. go back to the 1980s uh, to see uh, you know a, a real yield, uh, the Treasury yield minus inflation, as low as it was. Uh, yesterday and then uh, in the so, 80s it was because of inflation it wasn't so much because of low that's yields. right yeah. inflation it was the opposite so we yeah. saw it two times there was only two times in history where the real yield was lower than it was you know this week and that was in 1980 
uh, at the peak of the you know treasury treasury bond market and yields and and that's when inflation peaked and Volcker hiked rates and, and mm-hmm. broke the back of inflation and the time before that was also during an inflationary spike in 1974 1975 so mm-hmm. other than those two periods this is the least you're being compensated as a bond investor after inflation yeah. ever ball going right? in mind yeah so what we talked about yesterday is okay. What's what? What is the risk now in bond, bonds versus stocks? If we're talking about a ten-year at forty basis points, and we're looking at the Nasdaq 100 has a yield of eighty-something basis points. Our investors are going to start to think. Our asset allocators are going to start to look at that and say at some point, "Gosh, okay. you know, if I have twenty years, what's what's if I have ten years, what's going to do better in the next ten years?" 40 basis points a year from treasuries, mm-hmm. right? If you bought that bond and held it, mm-hmm. or get this, Knut, this is blowing my mind. The best mm-hmm. companies. That's in how the broken world. things are. And I don't think people, this is why I love talking to Charlie. Yeah. Like, if you, if an advisor really can explain this to you, and you have your last hundred grand in the world, you know, and you need it in 10 years, and someone says, we, we could give you a hundred. You know, we the yield on the Nasdaq over that—it's almost a no-brainer to just take the risk of ten years and just go Nasdaq. Right. That's what the payoffs are. So, like, so skewed right now. If you, if you, so there is some kind of panic that's been persisting, Charlie. We can't really express it, but the markets are trying to express it to to people, saying like, we just want to hide out, even though the yield—it's just—I don't know how, like. The way you're they saying it confuses me because it's like they're not they're not worried about return on their money. They're re, they're worried about return of their money, right? Yeah. And that's what happens during panics, right? right? And the question is, how long is this panic going to pers- persist for? Uh, and you know that that ultimately is usually a question of okay, let's say this this panic causes a recession in, in the U.S. or at least one quarter of of negative growth, right? Mm-hmm. What what does that mean for you know, markets, what does that mean for stocks? We're already down 20, right? So mm-hmm. what is the average recession, you know, bear market in the S&P if we include, you know, depressions and everything yep. else? It's around 40%. Right? So people so, that wake up today and are freaking out, it's like you're almost halfway to a, to a, a recession. Yep. So like a reason not to freak out, like, you know, like you're halfway there. As, as you always say, the time to panic is when things are good. Yeah, right? panic that's first. When you want, panic a when better time to panic. Right. right. Yeah. And, and the other question is, okay, so that's the average. That's the mean. And that includes the, you know, the Great Depression, which was down 86%. If we yeah. X that out, it's lower than that. And there have been plenty of bear markets with recessions where the stocks were only down 20 to 30%. Mm-hmm. 1990, 1991, it was a 20% bear market. You probably remember that oh, recession in I, the U.S. I felt bigger to me. Right? That was a tough one. Right? I was so young. Three months, it was a three-month yeah. bear market, though, yeah. 20%. And yeah. we're there already in, in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the point is the market's pricing in a decent amount right now of, of weakness already, right? The bond market's pricing in the calamity. I like that this is going to lead to uh, you know some a worse outcome potentially than the last recession. And, and you can't you know, ignore the bond market, but sometimes you have to just wonder – there's could be misdirection. Like that's, you can't just dismiss that. Well, he said, has it gotten ahead of itself? Right. Has it, is it, is it, or is it just 
too so many people piling on and in, in, in the uh, you know on the belief that this is going to lead to a collapse and people are never going to leave their homes again and they're never going to fly and they're never going to travel and they're never gonna, you know they're gonna, things are going to be shut down I, I don't have that belief right uh, you know based on the, what we know right now yeah. yeah what we know right now and and just the resiliency of, of people in general this is a uh, a panic that's you know, in large part, in my view, created from social media and spreading, you know, rumors and lies and misinformation. Uh, and you know, once the 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 once the clear heads in the room uh, start spreading the truth about it, uh, that the virus that's not likely to even be as bad as the flu, uh, in terms of number of deaths people will have to start living their lives again. Right. You know, the, you know, we're not going to uh, cause a great depression over something that's likely to be milder than the flu. And this is the other side. So it's, while it will be impossible for you and I to predict what the downside is, what could happen is quite the opposite, right? There could be a massive explosion brewing. Two of the upside, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, so walk people through that. Because while we can't so, say how bad this could get, because in a panic, anything can happen, we, yep. with this much pressure on, on, on the tenure and this much money hiding out, and the fact that the government is scheming globally, and they have to be scheming to unleash something, because uh, all they care about is getting reelected on the market. So if you play the game... What could happen? We're not recommending anything here by a long shot, but what instead of, and we're not saying you shouldn't panic and listen to the bond market and there could be a big recession coming, but thinking about the ammunition that is sitting on the sidelines and the, what could be cooking at the coordinated level and, and bond prices right now, what could be cooking, Charlie? Yeah. So I, what I think is, is, you know, once, once the extreme panic settles down and it will, Right. It, does, it doesn't it's not going to persist for this long unless we have clear data that this is going to be a long recession. Uh, you know, VIX, VIX closed above 40 today for the third time, you know, since March, oh, oh, third, third time, third day in a row. And since March 2009, that's only happened one other time. And that was in the 2011, 20 percent decline. Right. And yeah. uh, so volatility is not likely it's going to be volatile for a few months for sure but this level of panic to sustain it you need uh you need, you need a, a story constant, you need data you need, you need a data. constant level of worse news yeah. right and and the the opposite is also true if there's any good news the, the market is extremely you know it's ready to bounce on that right because you just have so many people as you said hiding in safe what they perceive to be safe instruments uh, and that money will come out and go back into the market at the first sign of some positive news. So what are some catalysts that could happen, let's say, in the next few weeks? Yeah. Well, you know, just, you know, the Fed did uh, their surprise 50 basis points. Uh, but we know that we know that that's that's not it. that's not going to that's not it. Right. The yeah. Fed's meeting again. They floated uh, that next. one. They did that one. And then they, they, they did that one. And right away, right away, the market said, you're going to do it again. Right, which is is pretty typical. When they did these emergency cuts in 2008, and then they had the next meeting, they always did another cut after. So some some more is coming. Right, the market's pricing in another 50 to 75 basis points right now at next week's meeting, uh, and that might not be all. Right, they could easily announce QE4. Right, they could easily announce some other program that 
you know, that to try to prompt things up. Right. You also have the ECB meeting this week, right. As well. And they're going to do something. There's going to be some coordinated effort when you have this type of panic, uh, this short type of short term panic. It may not ultimately work in the sense that. And that's you know, a the market, great point. Like the point is we're just trying to lay out people are panicked and I want to talk to you. Like when I call you, I want to, I want to make sure I'm not doing anything stupid first. Then I want to make sure that, cause my instinct is to put more money in the market. And I think my instincts are generally good, but you know, at the same time, I also want to be reminded of the dangers, but then I also want to know that, you know, the reason my instincts are to put more money to work in extreme high volatility is because of the boomerang. And so keep going on, on, on what you're, you're thinking. So, you know, you, you, the, the most vicious bounces in markets don't happen during strong bull markets. They happen during bear markets. And we know that. And, you know, we'll call, let's just call this a bear market. You yeah. know, you know right. quibble, quibble about, yeah. you know, percent, exact percentages. Yeah. Well, it's, and also it's, because it's there's too many different markets. It's a, been a bear market in energy, which is a big market. That, it's a bear market that, in many That's industries. right. Yeah. We have, the, we have the second worst day in, in history for crude oil yeah. this week. I mean, big uh, enough industry know, that we can say there's a bear market. It's a, yes, yes. So yeah, we have a bear market and, and the bounces can be vicious. They can be just as vicious coming out of that as the declines were going into it. And people should expect that with the VIX, you know, above 50, uh, you know, if, if there's not that persistent bad news, you're going to just have, uh, you know, the, you're going to you're going to have that sharp move in the other direction. Now, it, it, it may not last and, and whether it lasts or not will depend on, you know, can true that data, panic yeah. the true data can how much of it, how much of an impact is it going to have? Right. And, and nobody knows that. Right. It's impossible to predict that. Right. Mm-hmm. What's what's done is done. Like the things that are shut down and, and you know, that's priced in, you know, what's what's already happened. What's not priced in is the duration. Right. How long airlines are going to be uh, are going to be weak, how long, you know, things like that. And, you know, the economy is not just airlines and cruise lines, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so you know, someone like Microsoft or Apple or Amazon, Amazon might even, you can make an argument they're benefiting from this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at least some, some of their business not all of them, but yeah, some, of at them. least. So the point is there, they're going to be businesses that are still growing their revenues through this, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Just as there were in 2008 and a lot of the tech companies, we're still able to grow uh and this is not anything close to that yet there, there's going to be business and and the market will start to sort that out right and initially they just panic and you sell everything right indiscriminately you sell everything and then you kind of sort it out and say well wait a minute if people are are being crazy and they're buying toilet paper and and paper towels because uh, that's going to help them if the world ends it doesn't make sense to me but then well why should these consumer staples companies for example why should they be crashing Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to see them start to come back right? and be and especially with yields where they are. Right. If I can. We've get, already seen it. Procter and Gamble's done better. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like these are you know, Procter and Gamble's or like even a Costco. Right. They're mm-hmm. just there. People are going there and buying everything in the store and mm-hmm. Costco stock. Right. So there, there's going to be winners and losers, even if this does play out for a long time. But mm-hmm. that initial bounce, when it comes, the real bounce, right, uh, it, whether whether it's sustainable or not will depend on on the data and the data will be and this is very different i think from the other you know the other types of of uh, traditional recessions because this is mostly in my view 
a man-made psychological recession. So it, it'll depend on psychology. Can can people get over uh, their fears that this is going to, you know, be uh, so, be something akin to, you know, the uh, a plague or a Spanish flu? Because that's the way they're acting, right? But the data is not confirming that at this point, right? We, I think I talked about it with you the the other day, but I think it would surprise a lot of people. If they look back at the last real outbreak that we had globally, H1N1, which was known as the swine flu, 2009, 2010, correct? And how many million Americans do you think were uh, 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 infected with that swine I think, flu? I think I said had to a guess. million, but it's... Yeah, it was 60, over 60, 60 million. million. Yeah, Canada yeah. Had swine. you had swine flu. I did? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I still hung out with you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we've had a much worse, you know, 20,000 Americans died from that. 570,000 died globally from that. Uh, but we, did people you know that? I forgot about that. People didn't panic, right? Because well, people die. People, people are dying. Yeah, different reasons. But people die in death rates much higher than that from all sorts of things. 36,000 people a year die in the U.S. from driving, yeah. right? 100 people a day. Right, or dying if you're driving. But you still got in your car today and drove. I no, know, I had right? my butler. I had my butler. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I still got in my car. I had a Canute drive me over here. Yeah, sure. He's a big guy. He's like an airbag. No, but hang on. So, so, so that's a good point. But so this could be the first social media bear market. I mean, we. I guess it's the social media bear market. I think that's a good way of putting it. Where yeah. you know the people, the mis, the misinformation has now got you know gotten to such a level and it's got to something where it's actually important right people's health and and, and well-being and they're spreading lies right and rumors they're spreading like uh, death rates that are much higher uh, than the actual rate and and you know that's causing a panic for now but there's only so long in my mind that could persist until people start saying looking at the actual data and the show me the bodies yeah, so, well, we had the best data we have is from South Korea, right? And that's where they're doing a lot of testing. And the, the issue is the denominator, right? We know the number of people that are dying. We know the people that are being tested for this are most, for the most part, the people that are sickest and they're in the ICU and they're testing positive. So they're showing high death rates. But when you start testing the general population uh, as well, which is what South Korea is doing, well, you're finding that a lot of cases are mild or asymptomatic. So 50% of the cases they think right now are not even showing any symptoms. So you could have it right now. You could be, uh, you could be giving it to, to, you know, any number of people not showing any symptoms. Uh, and you know, so that's a potential outlier. That's a, a positive outlier in that, okay, if that's the case and that's true, well, that's going to bring down the percentage of death rate. And at a certain point, I don't know when it's going to be, but in the next few months, people will have to, I think come to terms to that and say, do we want to shut our, our economy down for something uh, that has, uh, you know, a, a similar death rate or, and not not in the same absolute numbers as the seasonal flu? Right? Mm-hmm. Do we shut our economy down uh, because of the flu every year? And the answer is no. Right? Mm-hmm. If we did, it would be a big problem. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I think ultimately, when in a few weeks when we get the bounce and maybe the bounce started already. That will be the evaluation. Are people still focused on this? We know that people's intention spans now, nowadays are not very high as well. So they, maybe they've moved on to something else at that point, hopefully, uh, and they go on living their lives. If you're someone who's, who's 
you know, older and, and have, have, you know, is immune compromised and, and is in the risk category, by all means, you should t- be taking precautions. But there's no reason for the average person uh, who's healthy to be doing anything differently at this point. If you're sick, stay home, of course. Uh, but if you're healthy, go out and live your life. And I think that's the message that clear heads need to be sending regardless of the market. So that's a little, I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I you know, I think that, you know, it, it'll do much more damage uh, if we keep spreading this panic and not talking about the actual data and numbers than the virus itself. And then with respect to panic though, because you have to coach people all the time, you're like kind of personal coach. Um, what, are you telling people that because no matter how much you put people in a portfolio that they've answered yep. questions in that it supplied, they sure. still are going to panic. So what I, what I like to say is people's people's risk tolerance is they always think it's higher than it actually is, particularly after a long bull market, right? And after a long after a bear market, it's at, you know it's it's it, there's what they say their risk tolerance is is lower than it probably is. Right. So right now, if you ask someone, they don't want to take any risk. Right. <laughs> no one wants it. So, uh, you know, what you're, te- what you're telling people is reminding them, right, that the, the, the score isn't the score isn't uh, we're in the middle of the game. Right. This isn't the ultimate score. Right. Uh, uh, if someone wasn't going to touch this money for 20 years, let's say they're not going to touch it in, in, in 20 years, it really didn't matter that. A few weeks ago, it was out of high. Let's say it just kept going up. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter until you start withdrawing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to think about these these periods where the market goes down in, in one of two ways. One is the price of admission, right? Mm-hmm. You need. There's no higher reward without higher risk. Okay, nobody cares about that. And the other is okay. If I have 20 years and the market's now at a discount to, to where it was, we could argue whether it's cheap or not. But it's certainly cheaper than it was two weeks ago. Well, now if I was taking less risk than I can handle over the next 20 years, I have the opportunity to move out of something that's yielding nothing now, which is the bond market, uh, and at least get a chance at some return, right, in the stock market, right? So 20 years from now, I think you and I would both expect the stock market, regardless of what happens in the next few months over this this panic, is going to be much higher, right, 20 years from now than it is today. We don't know the rate of growth, but I'd be willing to bet it's going to do better than a 30-year Treasury bond that went below one percent this year. Yeah, uh, I think this that, week, right? I think I, you and you have different panics than actual. What you've got to panic about your own portfolio, but you got to panic about your business in general. And I think the business in general has to start looking at uh, the world in a world of zero interest rates. Uh, there's a new kind of panic. You have your own panics around this business, right? Well, it's a concern that we concern. talked about what to what to do what to do with the bond portion of a portfolio, right? Yeah. That's that's now yielding nothing. I, you know, for a long time we had the luxury of, as you know in America that we had you know, <laughs> you know if we considered it a right, but we had a positive yield on our bonds, and we we would laugh at Europe and Japan and say, look at those negative yields. I wouldn't do anything with them. I wouldn't. How could you invest in that, right? And now here we are. We're not negative, but uh, what do you do with it? So I think it's it's a question that all advisors should be thinking about here now. You know, it, it, can you justify that portion of the portfolio hold you know the way you used to? I mean, just the, clearly the math is not there in terms of getting any any level of return out of that side. So is it just about holding cash 
you know, for to to put to it take advantage of opportunities, and I yeah, just think that I is. Mean, I think yeah. we're heading to a new era, but I don't know. This is and, one and of the reasons, and that's fine. But as a static allocation, right, Howard? Mm-hmm. That which is how people have been using this, right? It's mm-hmm. a static. The bar. If we go back to the Barclays aggregate, right? That's the broad bond index in the U.S. that everyone uses as a benchmark. All mm-hmm. the bond managers, right? If we go back to the, its inception in 1976. You know what the average return was? Seven percent a year. Oh my god, we would kill for that right now. We would. We you would, would love that. You'd we say, would not fight over toilet paper. Put it that way. You would. You would. You would say, "Give me that all day long." And yeah. you, Here's my toilet you, paper, ma'am. I have seven percent interest. <laughs> Let yeah, me buy so you some at, toilet paper. At forty basis points, right? We're gonna. You have to think about it. It's not the same. The math isn't there. The, yeah, you're not gonna get seven percent a year, right? Yeah. You, you may get seven percent in a day. Right. Mm-hmm. If that 40 basis points goes to zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as you hold that security, the math is the math. Like it's going to come. It's not going to return anything. It's going to go back to par. It's going to give you that coupon yield mm-hmm. uh, over time. So that, that's the big you know, the question when all of this it's the settles panic within the, market, the panic, right? Like there's the all the kinds panic. of So what will advisors there? do, right? If this ends up being, if this ends up being not as bad as people are thinking, and again, the bond market's pricing in a, you know, a, a recession worse than, than no the last one. Mm-hmm. And it, will advisors say, vote with their feet and take their money out of long-term bonds and put them back into stocks. And, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, if you want a real catalyst in the next month or two, uh, for you know some vicious rallies, I think that there you have it because mm-hmm. uh, you know advisors at a certain point or clients they're going to have to answer the question. Well, what am I paying you for to put me in the security that's mm-hmm. yielding nothing? Yeah, right. That's not a, that's not a long term investment. That yeah. may be a hedge short term, yeah. but that I'm not going to make any money. So yeah. there's no easy answer to that because nope. you have your risk tolerance, Howard. Right. Mm-hmm. You you say I want to take some level of risk. Well, if we want a higher return than that 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 40 basis points but we got to take some more risk yeah. right and are you comfortable going up the spectrum in terms of risk to either mm-hmm. to high yield bonds or preferred stocks mm-hmm. or even let's say like consumer staple stocks or utility stocks or things like that right are you comfortable because those securities can have real drawdowns right yeah. so real large drawdowns. i think but what's the, happening uh, is like is a new markets are going to just start evolving uh, whether it's crypto or tokenization of different parts of the corporation and the corporation goes away. I mean, we, you can't have interest rates at zero without breaking something. And so it's it's a little nerve-wracking, and I think that's why people should be careful and not to be cavalier about zero interest rates and why you should just easily just take your money and put it in stocks because rates are zero. Like, we get, I get why people would say it. I don't think it's responsible, though, because there could be bigger no. forces at hand. That's right. Yeah. The worst thing. Yeah. The worst thing. There's too many experts that like are cavalier about this. No. Yeah. That's certainly, you don't want interest rates to, it's not, it's not a bullish argument. If interest rates don't rise here and they stay where they are, that's a problem. That's That's a a much uh, bigger problem. I think people need to understand that. No, that's not, that's not a bullish case saying like there's no alternative. Like that could be a catalyst for a few weeks. Um, but you want to see that long bond yield. The long bond yield approximates, you know. Or we better have some other approximation that pays people, you know, proper, you know what I mean? Like, or, or something's going to implode somewhere. 
But at a certain point, like when the market's down enough, like you you, you make this calculation, people made it in 2009, right? And the bonds got killed after, you know, the market started around. They make a calculation where, you know, it's not worth the risk, right? At this level, to, it's not, I don't care about the hedge, right? right. It's not worth the risk. And I start yeah. selling it. I hate right? that. I hate for that to be the reason this time, though. I'd like there to be a bet. You know what I mean? I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I hate that. For the, that to be the reason for there to be a, a bottom again in stocks, because we were just like, just I'd like it to be like a little more fundamentally sound choices to be made. But I mean, it was a fundamental. Well, so you're, you're Jesus Christ. I don't like. I literally can't make money in bonds, so I I, I got out of them. And you know what I mean? No, and, no. The bond market's telling you now. It's pricing in. You know no growth and and or deflation one yeah. of the two yeah. right and that's what it's telling you okay growth has been running at two two percent right in the u.s mm-hmm. for the whole expansion they're telling you it's going to go negative right and it's going to stay there and not only that there's going to be outright yeah. deflation in the u.s something we haven't seen since the depression and that's what the tea leaves are saying that's why we have this panic yeah. in the market. but the markets are not always right yep they're and at extremes guess what the markets are very wrong at extremes, right? And during panics, like, they can get it very, very wrong because people just it just feeds on itself, right? right? So you have to take a stand at a certain point. You can't always be saying, oh, the market's right, bond market's the smart money, you know, and, and clearly the bond market led this, right? And they were anticipating something, right? And we had the in, inverted yield curve last year, right? Mm-hmm. Which was predicting economic weakness. And okay, mm-hmm. here we have it. I don't think the inverted yield curve last year, they knew there was going to be coronavirus. Right. <laughs> but the bond market was sensing something, okay? But now, and they were right. But maybe they overstayed their welcome here. And what we're talking about is the risk in bonds, or at least long duration bonds, is very high here, right? Any move higher, if the 10 year goes back to 1% or 1.5%, which would still move. be below, would still be below the 2008 lows. Remember when we were a year into a recession and the, and the end of the world was happening, you know, we would still be, you're going to get, you're going to see enormous losses in those long-term bond positions. Right. And yeah, so just caution for investors, uh, you know, who are thinking that this is, you know, panic going, going to them at this point, uh, you know, you have to be very careful because the volatility is going to be enormous. It, 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 it'll be, uh, it, it may be as much as, as the volatility in stocks certainly was today. Right. Yeah. So, that's crazy. I didn't so, know that. So just a you, were, you were saying it yeah. yesterday, like you took that position off for, for your, for, for people like me. It's, 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 it I don't, similar. what's, what's the risk? What's the risk reward yeah. of, of betting on 40 basis points? You have to be betting that it's going to go zero or negative, And that's not a bet that a, a fiduciary should be making in my view. Uh, you know, it's, that's a trade and that's not a long-term, that's not saying 10 years from now, I'm going to make money from the security. That's saying there's going to be more of a panic than there already has. So I ultimately, you know, this this is going to boil down to I think it'll, it, 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 we'll look back a year from now and say that this perhaps is the first you know really man-made social media uh, induced uh, economic slowdown ever. Uh, yes. and, uh but at the same so, time, people should realize that like real hurt is going on in certain parts of the economy. Uh, I'm not talking about the the travel part. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about 
banking. Yep. I'm talking about uh, <laughs> you look at uh, some uh, transportation companies. It's 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 dark out there for many people, and so there are real reasons for panic. Uh, it's just the markets are just you know, very yeah. complex. There's always a good reason, right? Yeah, there's that, always that, a good that's reason. what I like to say. There's always a good, if we go back to 2011 and 2018, there were good reasons then, right? Remember we had the same level of decline as today. It feels worse uh, because it's quicker, but we had the same level of decline roughly. And it was actually a little bit more in 2018 and, and 2011, different reasons, right? If, go, if you probably can't even remember what it was, right? <laughs> 2018, it was rising rates. If you could believe that interest rates were rising, remember the Fed was hiking rates and, and people were mad about that. And uh, there was a trade war and tariffs and, and all the rest of it. And housing was government slowing shut down. down, government shut down. Correct. You know, so different, different reasons. And in 2011, people thought that was going to be it was a European debt debt crisis. Right. And people thought the U.S. debt was downgraded. You remember that? And uh, we had, you know, fears that the U.S. was going to go back into a recession, right? So, we, you know, we see, and then 2015, 2016 correction, which wasn't as big, but it was long, and there was the credit markets really collapsed. That was a different reason too. That was China. You had, you know, you had devaluation. You had oil collapsing, similar to today. You had North Korea, you know, waving their nukes around. So, you know, it, it's it's helpful to go back and look at at, at corrections in the past that were similar to today and say okay the world didn't end then it's not going to end it's not going to end this time either the question is how deep is it going to be and so you know if it if this is not a recession this is you know this is the average decline without a recession of bear market is you know 20 to 30 Mm percent so maybe we're getting there right now if it is a recession it's the odds suggest there's more to go but as we, as we often talk about, markets don't get to A from A to B in a straight line. So it'll take time for people to try to digest how deep that economic slowdown is going to be, right? Because the market and equities ultimately are not trading off of, you know, next week's earnings. This has to be, you know, they're trading on the next 20 to 30 years of earnings. And this has to be a big impairment for long-term earnings to get a huge, huge decline, right? So mm-hmm. do you think five years from now we're going to be talking about the coronavirus? Mm-hmm. My bet would be no. Three years from now, my bet would be no. Six months from now, yeah, you're going to, you're going to hear earnings, you're going to hear things. So you know, there's going to be volatility. You know, Think about how especially much Especially for individual companies. Take. Especially for individual companies. It's, it's, it's going to be huge. But we've seen this movie before, Howard. Mm-hmm. This is not, uh, let's, you know, it's unprecedented in the speed but it's not unprecedented in terms. It's unprecedented in terms of the bond market's reaction. But the rest of the, you know, declines and, and you know, energy and all the rest, we've, we've seen this before. We just, you know, it's just, it just always feels worse when you're in the midst of it, living in it, right? It's just, it's hard to contextualize and, and think about uh, those past declines uh, uh, because it's just, you know, just time to you, you forget about it. And we'll forget, and it seems crazy today, but. It, if we if we do this podcast a year from now, we're going to be talking about something different, right? Yeah. And you know, and even if the market's lower, it'll be some other issue. That would be my guess than what people are worried about today. All right, buddy. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time. We will uh, see you on uh, the streams and have you back on. But uh, thanks for chiming in on uh, Panic with Friends.
Yep, absolutely. Right, Don't so, panic. No panic. All right, Chuckles. <laughs> Thank you. See Have you. a good one. Two in the back, Canute. Excellent. Next up on Panic with Friends will be Brian Norgart, All right, who's a regular Joe, it. but uh, has worries just like the rest of us. Thanks. <laughs> 